Amen. Amen. If you would stand with me. I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. I've got a simple thought tonight. Again, some of you will know more than I ever will about it. But I just want to take some time to go back to the basics a little bit. I want to take tonight, and I know it's a Bible study night, so in the best way I know how, I hopefully plan to bring to you the Word of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Tonight, for just a few moments, I promise I'm not a long-winded guy. I try. But I just want to have a simple title, a simple subject of I am. I am. If you get nothing from tonight's service, I just want you to know that God is what you need him to be. I am. And also, there's things we're going to cover that, that God's not, which is all right. Because there's things we don't want God to be, but there's things that he absolutely is yesterday, today, and forever. Would you pray with me over this uh, word of God? Lord, I thank you tonight, God. I pray that everything I say truly is just edifying of your spirit, God. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth has clarity and has uh, uh, passion and, and hope and truth and anointing, God. I pray let my lips be used of you, God, in every single way and have your way tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and simply say, I am? Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Moses, at this point in time, Exodus chapter 3, was getting his first, or at least his most personal experience that I believe he ever had with God. He was in the mountains and all that sort of thing, and he had the tabernacle and everything, and he had time away with him. But this is the beginning. Moses was at a point where he was told, take off your shoes for you are standing on holy ground. And there the bush was burning but not being consumed. And he was hearing from God Almighty, raised as, as an Egyptian, but truly uh, uh, learning that he didn't belong in that. And so he began to ask, when I go and do what you want me to do, when I get to the place where I am uh, uh, able to present you, what do I say? What do I tell people I am? And, or, or what do I tell people you are? And the response is simply, I am that I am. I don't know if that confused them or if they were just like, ah, I got it. But God just simply wanted to make it clear. There's a lot you can say, but it all is, it's all summed up in two words, I am. Also, when I look back and I, 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 I trace back, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce around a little bit tonight, but I want to talk about the name Jehovah, Yahweh, Yeshua, whatever you wanted to uh, call it in the Old Testament. I want to get back to what God was called 
in the beginning. And I want to go back to some of the patriarchs that knew him as Jehovah something, as Jehovah or God the Great, God the Mighty, God the Provider. And, and we're just going to spend some time going through what God was. God began to speak to uh, Abraham. And there was a time where when God spoke to Abraham, he, he simply came to him and he said, you're going to have a child. And Abraham, at this point, was 99 years old. That'd be like Bishop wasn't quite there yet. That's old. I'm sorry, that's not old. But, but in today's age, the way we look at life, that's, that's a lot of years on life to say, you're about to start a family. You're about to have a little one running around. And uh, through it all, Moses or uh, Abraham, I'm sure, had confusion and and. In that day, they reverenced God. The name of God was, was important. It was never misused. They, they made sure that they never took it in vain. It became one of the commandments. They had names upon names like Adonai, Elohim, El Shaddai, El Elyon. They had all sorts of names that meant God is great. God is wonderful and God is awesome. And they had such respect that every day seemed like a new way to call God something. But they never knew his name. They never knew how important it was. So when we look in today's world, we see a different picture. And I'll get back to Abraham. I know I'm jumping a little bit, but I'll, I'll get there. We see a different world. We see a culture that no longer respects the name of God in any way, shape, or form. We use names on social media and even in text, OMG, and people will change the G to goodness or whatever they want. But it's just such a th slang thing that's thrown out there to not respect it. Our world uses his name in vain. In fact, the world has diluted, dissected, and adulterated the name so much that they believe they have rendered it useless. That's how they feel about the name. Whether it be Jehovah, I Am, Jesus as we know it today, they thought they have rendered his name useless. If they can, they'll take it off the face of the earth. They want to wipe out religion and just absolutely wipe it away so there's no more right and wrong. Everything's just a good mesh. But tonight, I want to remind you again who he is, who he is. Abraham was finally 100 years old. 100 years old, and now he's with child, <laughs> or his wife was Sarah. And they begin to raise this child, and we know how the story goes in Exodus 22 where he was to... Um, uh, I, I'm sorry, in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham was to take his one son to the mountain and sacrifice him. Now, here's some things I find funny. Abraham was 100 when the kid was born, 100. So when you think of Abraham, how old do you think he is when he has to tie up Isaac? In my mind, 60 tops. <laughs> he's, he's well past that. So you start reading, and I've done the research to see exactly how old do they think Abraham or Isaac, either one, they're just 100 years apart. How old were they when all of this transpired? And they say that Isaac could have been as old as 37 years old. 37 years old. I know it's like, whoa. You imagine a 12-year-old, somebody he might be able to chase or just catch off guard <laughs> and tie up as quick as you can and throw on the altar and just, you know, tape his mouth shut or something. 
But even Isaac began to ask, where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham responded with, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And as we read where they went up, and, and, and there was uh, Abraham and Isaac, and he laid him, however old, Isaac on the altar. And there's Abraham drawing the sword. And, and, and again, there's things that pop out in the word that just crack me up. The angel of the Lord shouts out, Abraham, comma, Abraham. Now, if I was Abraham... Once was enough. Twice meant I wasn't listening. And so people will say, well, they didn't have hearing aids. You just never know about Abraham back then. And the, the thought is, well, maybe, maybe it was a hearing thing. But what if he was so sold out to the fact he was sacrificing Isaac? What if Abraham trusted God so much? You see, that's what it's about, church. Do we trust God enough that the very promise you're given, that he asks you, are you are you faithful enough to give it right back? Do we trust him enough that we have to hear it twice? Brandon, Brandon, wait, wait, whoa, don't, don't do it. I believe you. Put the knife down. That's how it was. The name was called out. And, 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 and we get into it where Abraham was truly at a point where he trusted and, and expected God, whether it was to raise him from the dead or to uh, give him another son at, at up to 137 years of age. Whatever it was, there was so much trust that that moment started a view of who our Lord really is. The Bible calls him in, in Genesis 22, Jehovah Jireh. You see, we even mess up the name Jehovah it was Yeshua, but when you look at how it was pronounced, and you can go back, and this is stuff, this one's for free, so just take it with you. But Yeshua was just four letters, no vowels, just all consonants. Absolutely unpronounceable. To hear scholars say it, it's unrecognizable. Jehovah itself wasn't supposed to be some hard J at the beginning. It was Yehovah. So we don't even get that right. But he was called, whether it's Jehovah or Yehovah, Yaira or Jaira. Jehovah Jireh, God had a name. He was a provider. For the first time, it was no longer just, here's Lord Almighty, and here's Elohim, and here's Anodai, and here's El Shaddai. And they were just trying to come up with things. They knew who God was now. 22 chapters in, God is my provider. So they went over, and the Bible says that Abraham found a ram in the thickets. You know what I find interesting about that? When I think of a ram, I think of a billy goat or some sort of goat of some sort, and it truly means just an adult sheep or an adult lamb. And, and when we, we, we you know, the, again, the Bible scholars in this place can always go back to that lamb represented. God will provide himself a sacrifice, an adult lamb himself, the lamb for sinners slain. God provided himself, Jehovah Jireh. I am means that God will provide. I don't know about you, but there are circumstances where you feel hopeless, helpless. You've tried everything. You're at your wits end. You don't know how you'll make it through tomorrow, but I'm here to tell you tonight, he is Jehovah Jireh. Yesterday, today, and forever the same. He will always be your provider. He will always be faithful. As the new promise of Abraham continues, so does God's promise for providing. Abraham knew him as provider. But when the children of Israel in Exodus came to know him, they came to bitter waters. And the Bible says that the uh, uh, God or the angel of God uh, shouted out to, to Moses, get a, get a stick, put it in the water. And waters went from bitter to sweet. And they called him Jehovah Rophika, which means the Lord that healeth. He became Jehovah Nisi after war, where Moses' arms were propped up. 
where, which meant to say he is the Lord, my banner, or he reigns in victory. We've sang this song forever, you know, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory. He is my banner. Don't let me, I don't want to breeze over number two either there. It said he is my health. He has the ability to change my health. A few weeks ago, my mom brought a guest. Her name was uh, Blondine. And uh, if you were here on Sunday morning, it was wild. You know, Sunday mornings, it's, it's, it's trying to wake up, and we serve a ton of coffee and, and treats, <laughs> snacks. <laughs> and she knew that she needed something else in her life. I believe she had lupus and um, lesions and all sorts of things in her body. And, and she walked out that day. She'd carry her purse just to make sure that her, her insides, just nothing would shake or, or move at all with each step. Just the jarring of stepping would absolutely put her in pain. And she walked out of here pain-free. He's still Jehovah Rofika. He is still the God that heals. I don't know why he waits sometimes. I don't understand why things take time or we have to go and, and have doctors or whatever. I don't understand all that. But he is still the God that heals He's a God of victory. We're also reminded again, there's, there's 10 of these, so I'm on number four. He reminded us in Exodus 31, I am Jehovah Mekadeshikim. <laughs> we'll just go with the Lord who sets us apart and sanctifies us. This is the part that's weird for me. When we come to church, we understand our righteousness is as filthy rags to the Lord. We have nothing that, that, that he needs from us. Right? It's, this is one-sided. He wants our praise. He wants our worship. But need is like a whole new level with him. He doesn't need, but he loves. And when I see the Lord that sets us apart, he's one that realizes when you give yourself to him, when you do the plan of salvation, you're set apart. This is why we try to not be of the world, but in it. We, we separate ourselves to where when our coworkers come up and they'll say things like, wow, are you nervous about preaching? I can truly say, yeah, but God's with me. I know the word and I know what I'm, I'm going for, but, but he'll help me. And then he begins to talk about it because he realizes I'm set apart. He knows he'll cuss, but if I get anywhere close to cussing, it's like, oh my Lord, what just happened? What did Brandon almost say? Relax. <laughs> Gideon, the mighty man of valor knew him as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord sends peace. A man of war, we look at him with, with 32,000 soldiers getting down to 300, and we look at this mighty man of valor, but truly he knew him as the God that sends peace. He was Jehovah Shaboth, Lord of hosts to Hannah when she was barren. It means that he is a commander-in-chief overall. When Eli, uh, uh, when Samuel was born and given to Eli, it was under that virtue of God that the Lord is in control. He is commander. He's in charge. I hope you hear me tonight. I know I brush through things, and I know I'm, I'm different than our pastor, and I try my best, and, and you guys are the most supportive people in the world to me. I promise. I love you. But I hope you understand that, that God is everything you're supposed to have in life. It's everything you're supposed to have in life. There's never supposed to be a part where you feel like, well, if I don't have him, it's okay. I was talking with a coworker today, and he lives around the Frankfurt area, and uh, he's a, a temporary guy that we're, we're, you know, we're seeing if he'll work out and get him hired on and all that sort of thing. 
and I, I said, well, I go to church in Frankfurt because if, if, if you're anywhere near me, I don't live here yet. So it's easy for me not to say, oh, I live there. It's I go to church there. My only connection right now is church in this city. I'm trying to move here, but this is a church thing. So I'll bring it up as quick as I can. Oh, I go to church there. Oh, cool. Sometimes they'll ask, where's your church? But most of the time they'll just leave it. They don't want to go there. So I said, you want to know where my church is? <laughs> I don't know you. You're not going to say no. You're not going to be a jerk. So I said, you want, to, you want to know where my church is? We're building a church. Oh, really? Where? Gotcha. <laughs> I said, right across from Walmart. You can't miss it. It's that big thing. He goes, that's a church? He goes, that's like big buildings. And there's a, I said, yeah, we're building a new one. That's our church. That's, you got to come, man. And, and it opens a door. It opens this, this spot where I can truly say, this, this is who I serve. It's, it's my opportunity. I hope you get that. Knocking doors isn't the best way about soul winning. We, we do that, and, and things happen, and that's great. But if you've got people in your life that God has placed you there for, that's how you win people. Is that off? Uh, am I wrong? That one, I'm, I'm worried. Let's just strike that one. I don't want to. We'll knock doors, and we'll, we'll praise God for it. Jeremiah prophesied the Lord as Jehovah Sidkenu, which is to say the Lord are righteous. Jehovah Shammah was revealed in Ezekiel when giving the land to Israel, and he divided it. If you read in Ezekiel where all of the tribes were gathered together, they were given a land and they were divided it, and the Lord was called Jehovah Shammah, which means, and, and it's his way of saying that I am here. The Lord was there, just like the Lord is here. When the Lord delivered the people out of their, uh, from their enemies in Psalms, he was called Jehovah Elion, God of the Most High. And the last one that David quoted in Psalms 23, he started it out. It was known as Jehovah Roi, which means the Lord is my shepherd. So many times we forget the many faces of God. We forget that he is everything that we need him to be. When we look at God, that's the thing about God. God is omniscient, uh, omnipresent, uh, uh, and, and omnipotent, which means all power, all knowledge, and everywhere, all at the same time. So when you look to God, when you pray to God, when you experience him, he's there. He's our shepherd who provides, who is a banner. He's there. That's God. That's who we serve. And so my problem always comes back to why do we ignore everything that he has been to his people? Why do we as a church or even, you know, I, I look at, you know, I obviously my, my, my dealing with most uh, church people that I get to minister to are of the younger sort, whether young adults or young people or whatever, or, or Sunday school. And I'll see so quickly the, the forgetting. It's like they'll remember so much about school, but when it comes to the things of God of just where he brought you from, there's a forgetting. There's a past where it's, it's like, well, he needs to do something else because I've already forgot what he did. Why wouldn't he be what I need today? You see, we forget in the New Testament, his promise was that he'll still be all that he was. In fact, if you followed his plan, which we read in Acts, which we, we, we practice here, being re repenting and baptizing, it changes things. Here's the thing. God dealt with the Old Testament. He dealt with nations. He dealt with the children of Israel. He dealt with uh, the Amaleks and, and the Moabites and all these other tribes, and, and he dealt with them in, in his own way. But we knew who the apple of God's eye was, and we, we call them Jews today. We understand they were the children of Israel, and 
We see where their future is, and you can read all about it in the New Testament, where they're going and where they'll end up. But God has changed the way he deals with people. We call it dispensations. We're in a, a period of grace. Our dispensation is no longer about a nation of America, but it's about you. So every time after you've been baptized in Jesus' name, it's attached to you. You're the one, and the Bible talks about how you're grafted in now. You're part of what his promise was. We become part of the children of Israel, even if not by birth. We, we are attached, we're grafted, we're joined together, which means when he's Jehovah then, he's Jesus now. If he was Jehovah Jireh, the provider, he's Jesus, my provider. If he's my banner, if he's my victory, if he's my, my health, he's everything I need him to be. It changes now. You have complete ability to tap into the things that the Old Testament called him. And there's nothing that should stop us from doing that. You should never be at a point where you don't want to pray about it and ask God to change things. It becomes part of you. And the truth is, life here leaves you so often thinking he is able He's able to provide, to heal. He's victorious. He can still bring peace. Is he still there sometimes becomes the problem. Most of the time, we feel during the fight of life that he won't heal. Amen? Get in the middle of something that you don't think you're going to find an end to. I mentioned a house. Let me tell you about my life. I sold my house in March. I found one, a beauty. Oh, I love it. I'm ready to move in. And I feel like I'm building my own church. <laughs> You start seeing where this is a roadblock and that's a roadblock. And you're wondering, is this the will of God? And you begin to question everything. But in the middle of it, you still have to. I've got to tell myself, he's still my provider. Hello? He's still my healer. He's still the way maker. He's still the will in the middle of the will. He's victorious. He's a commander. He's righteous. He's still there for me. Why do we think that God's against us? I hope not. <laughs> In the Old Testament, we see God deal with nations. Today, he deals with people. I want to give a little insight into the way I view my Lord. Now, now you're going to have to hang with me on this one. I, I'm not out of the word, but this is where I, I get a little deep maybe in my own thinking. Some of you have already processed this, I, I know. But God's grief with Israel was far greater than his disappointment with Egypt or Babylon. Now let me break that down, since you're a child of God and you're grafted into the body. When we get sidetracked with what we're supposed to do, we think that everyone's equal. Doesn't matter, and he'll forgive, and, he, and, and that's God. We know that to be God. But it grieves him so much more that it was you that stopped. It was you that allowed yourself to get cold or lukewarm. It was you that that got to that place because he, he cares about everyone. But oh, so much more does he care about you than the rest because you've made the choice to love him back. Does this make sense? Your tapping into God and your ability to be saved and all of that sort of, uh, of, of thing means that he will care for you all the more. This is why in the Bible it will say that he'll never leave you or forsake you or, or you know, he's an unfailing God. And we, we, we grab onto that. And then the thought is, well, does he fail anyone ever if, if he's one that will never leave or forsake? Does that, does that apply to everybody? But it applies to those that diligently seek him. It applies to those that are his. 
We're His children. That's who He cares about. Back to that scripture in Revelation where it says, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. You know, you never go from cold to lukewarm. You go from cold to hot. You go from no truth to truth. And then the tapering off starts to happen. That's why when God said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. It's so, you, you don't get lukewarm from being cold. You get lukewarm from being hot, knowing what the fire is, knowing the Holy Ghost. That's where the lukewarm happens. We do so much more to God when we decide that we've, we've seen truth, we know truth, and we've seen people walk away. There's that lukewarmness. It becomes sickening, and it grieves him more than anything else. More than Egypt or Babylon. In other words, more than this world trying to figure out which bathroom is which. It grieves God more how we react. It grieves God more. It doesn't mean I agree with that mess. That's a mess. But it, it, it grieves God more if I agree or if I go along or if I want to fight it and I'm not who God wants me to be. That grieves him more if I'm not wise in decisions because I'm supposed to know truth. I'm supposed to know love. I'm supposed to understand. Again, doesn't make it okay. doesn't make me like it. But it's about me being right with him. It's about me staying on fire with God. It annoys me that this world needs three gods. Can I get into that for a second? I'm not, I know, all over the place. I love my dad. will just smile at me. It's like, oh, Lord, bless him, Jesus. But it drives me nuts that this world has no problem trying to quantify how many gods. And we, I just read 10 Jehovah's to you. We could easily say there's 10 gods. We could say there's hundreds of gods. There's gods everything. And, you know, they go with Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's all this, this dissecting of God, and he's got to be three. Do, do you ever wonder, why do we need three gods to defeat one devil? Again, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. He's everywhere knowing everything and can do all things. Yet for some reason, we have no problem with one devil who can't go everywhere at once, who can't have all power ever and still knows nothing. Yet we give more credit to him or, or his demons or whatever you want to call and, and go after that more than we'll give credit to the one God that has allowed everything. That is provider. That is the, the key uh, to life. That's who God is. So... When you tell me, or when you, who do I tell has sent me? The word has always been, I am. Who do I say has healed me? It is always, I am. Who do I say gave victory? Church, there needs to be a part of us that, that learns God gets victory in all things. Don't blame him for the bad and forget to bless him for the good. He's still your provider. He's still the great I am. Who do I say gave me victory? Who do I say saved and sanctified me? Who do I say has, has been with me through the fire? Who do I say gave me peace? He is Jehovah, provider, healer, victorious. He'll set us apart. There's peace. He's a commander. He's righteous. He's there. He's the most high, and he's my shepherd. It took them books to realize what Moses was able to say in two words. I am. Again, I don't know that I'm talking to everyone, but I know that there's people. And even if it's just to me, there's times I need reassured that God is still who he said he is. There's times where I need to know that God is exactly. And, 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 and there are times where we do forget so quickly who is in control. If he's in control, why do I get bitter? Why do I fight my future? If, if, if he's in control, why do these things keep happening? And the truth comes in John 10 
and 10, it says, Furthermore, why do I have to only get by in life? The thief cometh not, but for to kill, I'm sorry, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. And then he goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Ephesians 3 and 20 says it like this, Now therefore unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. God is a God that wants you to succeed in life. Never once did he say you're just going to eke your way through. You'll get there, we hope. (laughs) That was never the will of God. It doesn't mean that it's not a hard or it's not struggle, but he expects you to do exceeding abundantly. Have I talked about that before? Most times, in the New King James, it says it different. It says exceedingly abundantly. It's almost like there should be a comma there, and it describes two things, exceedingly abundantly. But the, new, or the, the, the normal King James Version says exceeding abundantly. There's a Lee missing there. In other words, it's not exceedingly and abundantly. He exceeds the abundance. That's what God is saying to you. When you trust him, he will do exceeding abundantly. He will exceed what abundance is in your life when we learn to give everything to God. When we learn to stay true to him and stay on fire, get involved and be everything we're supposed to be for him. He will be provider. He will be the way maker. He will be that light. That's what God said he'll be. Amen. So, it's a quiet crowd. I'm, gonna, I'm all right with that though. He has made this life for us. Sometimes adversity and pressure tries to take us out. And the sad part is, and, and the Bible talks about it, where we'll be you know, sifted as wheat or as, as wheats from the shaft or tares from the shaft. And it talks about how uh, in the last days there'll be a separation. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we see that in our lives where we don't understand sometimes that God is shaking us. And we wonder, why is this shaking happening? How long will it last? And, and, and the truth is, God also said, I'll never put more on you than you can bear. So to some that seem to endure forever, the truth is they can bear more than I ever could. And I hate it, but at the same time, I admire the fact that they're still bearing they're still sticking with it. That's what God wanted. He said, if, if there's a shaking that comes, if, if there's this adversity, the other side was always so much sweeter. You see, they gave him these names after things would happen, after victories of war, after uh, lands were divided, after uh, uh, God would save you know, Isaac. These names were given to God. And the truth is, sometimes pressure and heat is what it takes for us to be purified after everything's said and done. So when we go through life and we go through this journey and we wonder, why do I have to endure this? If God is who he said he is, why am I enduring it? We pray that God takes us out of it instead of through it. The truth is God's trying to grow you. Some of us don't want to be grown. Amen? Some people say, well, I want to be used mightily. I want to be used in the gift of healing. I want to see this and I want to see that. I want cancer, I want blood issues to just fall away, and and that's great. I want those things too, but do you realize what it takes for that to happen? That means somebody has to be, like, we talk about it now because it happened, and we've seen the other side. We, We say God is a healer, and God will raise from the dead. We've seen it. Robin's here. We all talk about it. It's awesome. But do you know what it took for that to happen? Somebody had to die. 
Some of the things we desire, we want, oh, Lord, use me mightily, and I want to be seen, and I want to be Gideon. Do you know what Gideon had to go through? It was like, bro, it's just going to be you and a couple of fellas, and you're going to take out a pretty big group. That's what it had to get down to. People say, oh, I want that. I want to be a mighty man of valor. But really, God will allow you to go through that stuff, but you have to know that you've got to go through it. You don't just come out the other end like this happened, and, and you, you've got to endure. So growing in God requires, requires that we uh, experience and live life even through turmoil and test. It changes everything. As the music comes and gives him hope, I want to say just a couple more things. I promise I'm almost done. The problem is we want to be spiritually famous. We pray to our God, Jehovah, Rofika, Lord of healing. But we can't understand why we had to go through what we had to for God to heal us. We can't understand some people have went through barrenness, not being able to have children. But in order to go through that and to come out the other end, you have to know him as Jehovah, Seboeth. In other words, to say, you are my commander, you are the Lord of hosts. Going through things changes what you can call God in your life. It allows you to truly say, I don't just see that he's this. I know him as provider. I know him as healer. Don't forget what you've been through to say that I know God. I want to talk about my life for a second. Is that all right? I was 16 years old. Me and my mom used to pray together and uh, it doesn't mean we always found a time to sit and kneel and pray together, but we used to always say, honey, if she'd come to me, if, if this is something we want changed in our lives, let's pray about it. And she would talk about, you know, the power of, of prayer and the power of praying together and being unified. And we were living in a house and it was a wonderful home. And our entire childhood, I remember being in that home and uh, it was a double wide, so it was nothing to write home about, which was home. <laughs> but we were in that double wide for, I believe, 12 years and we didn't know any different if that meant you were rich or poor or nothing. We just had our own room and a bathroom close, and we were excited about life. And, and I'll never forget carpet being ripped up, and your feet would stick. It feel like it just pulled the soles of your feet right off. And we'd have new carpet laid down. And I remember these changes, it just felt normal. This is what it takes. You just have to have your whole life uprooted just to have new carpet put in. And, and I remember my mom coming at a certain point going, Honey, I'd, I'd really like to move. I'd, I'd love to have a new home. And I feel like God needs to open a door so that the neighborhood was just going uh, to trash. It was absolutely just, it, it, there were drugs all around and, and the, we were like one little block of a good school system surrounded by the worst school system. We were happy where we were, but the truth is it was no longer safe to be outside. And I'll never forget my mom saying, let's pray for this. And, you know, I'd, I'd hear her talk to, to my dad at points and He'd say, that's, that's just not possible. There's no way we'd, you know, financially this, that, and the other. And uh, how in the world would we ever afford it? And I, I remember just praying. I, I don't know how he's going to make a way, but some way he's got to. And, and it wasn't a year later that we broke ground. We had bought land in a, in a beautiful neighborhood. And we had, God had begun to move us. And we'd never realized our prayers would last more than one trip of moving. And before we knew it, our family moved down to the Lafayette area. And I remember uh, those prayers, how I would begin to see who God was. I remember testing for, for music, and I, I know I've talked about being at Ball State and being on scholarship and different things, but I was trying out at several schools, and I began to pray, God, whatever your will, close the doors to the ones I'm not supposed to be at. Western Michigan was prestigious. They'd, they'd have 40 or 50 trumpeters come and, and try to get scholarships and try to get on it. They would only accept like four or six people. 
They wrote me personally saying, you are on our list. You're number nine. I was like, that's awesome. But if I'm not supposed to be in that top six, I pray that nobody else would cancel. And I went to Ball State, and I would begin to wonder, like, you know, is, is, is this a place for me? And I saw God, you know, give scholarship and, again, give opportunity and open doors. And as I got there, I, I realized that it wasn't about being a trumpet player, but he opened up a place, and he opened my eyes to begin to show me who he is. It was at a wonderful church, Brother John Martin's. It was beautiful. There was um, so much that, that they would offer, you know, youth groups like I'd never seen and, and, and youth services and all sorts of things. And I... I can look back now and say that God was my provider just as much as he is now about a house. Just as much as he is with a third child. I know I'm speaking for me, but in your life, there's things that you're wondering, how will God get me to the end of this? How will I ever see the light of day? It's things I've dealt with for years. It's things I don't see any end coming to. I've, I've went through all the, the, the right steps and I'm trying to get it all taken care of. And now it's simply in God's hands and he's just sitting there waiting. Who will I be this time? Will I be Jehovah uh, uh, Jireh? Will I be Jehovah Nisi? Will I be uh, the banner victorious? Will I just be there? Will I be righteous? Will I separate them? Will I gather them out? The truth is God is who he said he is every time. And it's up to us to trust him enough through it all that God will be what he said he will be if you would stand with me. Isaiah 40 says it like this, Hast thou not known? He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary and they shall walk and not faint. And the song continues on, Lord, teach me, teach me to wait. Some of you right now are going through things. I don't, I don't know everyone's circumstances, but I know I've got needs in my life. And right now the question is, can I really wait on God you see that whole transition, if we were to dissect that uh, scripture, we would see that they flew first, they ran second, and they walked third. And then if you go to another portion of scripture, it just simply says stand. Stand therefore. If you can't fly no more in God and you find it hard to run with him and you're down to not even be able to walk, all he's saying is stand. Stand therefore. Whatever it takes, he's still Jehovah. He's still everything you need. And if you've made the choice to serve him, then he's blessed you with all of those things. That's who God is. If you'd close your eyes with me, if you want to pray tonight, I'd open these altars and I challenge you to come and to find out who God is. If you want to experience some more of him, if you want to say, God, I'm putting this back in your hands, then so be it. Come and pray. Come and search him out and come and give him everything that he requires. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, man, can we just pray together, even right where you are? Let's just pray. Reach out to him. Lord, I thank you, God. You know all things, Lord. I worship you.
Hallelujah, that's it. Just give a moment to him. Just spend time reflecting, God, what have you done for me? I still trust you today. I still worship you today. I still praise you today. Hallelujah. I worship you. I know again, I'm just some young preacher trying my best. And again, I know you guys support me, and I, my wife says, don't say this sort of thing, and I'm sorry, but I do thank this church, honestly, for being what you are. You're an example to me. I watch you go through things that I couldn't imagine. I watch you struggle through things that I know God hasn't put on me for a reason. I don't know why I could make it, but I thank God for this church that continues to say, I'll push on through adversity through struggle, through, through trial, building a church that I would have given up on long ago. If it was me, pastor, and I would have said, obviously, it's not the will of God, but I've seen a man that has led us to push through and a, and a God that has continued to open doors and, and a church that has stood behind him. Thank you, church. Thank you for being the example I need in my life. Amen. Can we pray, pray a, a prayer of dismissal tonight? Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, again, anything out of my mouth. God, I pray that at least one soul was touched, God. But ultimately, I just want to show you who you are. Lord, I never got to what you want, but you're never a liar. Lord, you're never a promise breaker, and I thank you for that, God. You're never one that gives up or tries to steal or just waste lives, God. But I thank you for everything you are for us and through us, God. I pray that your will be done tonight in each and every one of our lives as we leave this place, but never your presence, God. We pray that you bless us all this week and bring us back this week. And Lord, if you tarry in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Shake someone's hand, hug someone's neck.